0: We will start in Luke, uh, Luke chapter six, Luke chapter six, and then we will go to Hosea 10. Again, it was good to be back. We just, I'm sure you all know we were, uh, Jamie and myself and Lynn were in the Dominican Republic this last week on a mission trip and, uh, God was faithful and, uh, we were blessed to see the ways that he's working down there and, uh. Uh, In the next few weeks, we'll be telling you more about uh, some of the things we experienced. Uh, But we thank you all for participating in that ministry. There's no way that uh, this last week could have happened without you all and your support and allowing us to do those things. And uh, We thank you for all that you've done. And again, in the next few weeks, we'll tell you more about uh, our experiences down there. Luke chapter 6, we're going to... um, We're going to start in verse 43. It says, No good tree bears bad fruit, uh, nor, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of the mouth Uh, For out of the overflow of his heart, the mouth speaks. And then, uh, Hosea chapter 10, we're just going to look at verse 12. So so for yourselves righteousness, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. Uh, So I think... uh, you know, every time I go on these trips, I try to figure out, uh, you know, what God's saying and and what uh, uh, He wants me to come to understand about, uh, uh, you know, the spiritual nature of humanity and everything that we're experiencing. And a lot of times it takes a while to try to comprehend and process what you're seeing. Uh, but the thing that I have seen in all of this and just keeps... Uh, Coming back to me every time that I've been down there, I was counting, I was trying to count the stamps in my passport to figure out how many times I've been there in the last seven years. And the last, I had uh, 34 stamps, which means, uh, you know, what, 16, 17, 18, 19 times, because sometimes they don't actually stamp it uh, in the last seven years. And, And out of all those times, there's still things that I'm trying to figure out. And, uh, But the thing that keeps coming back to me is that humanity is the same everywhere you go. It might look different, it might have, uh, you know, what I'm talking about is the spiritual, the heart, the foundation, the, the foundation of what humanity is and what humanity is searching for, it is the same everywhere you go. Now that may manifest itself in different ways, in different regions, in different cultures and all of that, but everybody is searching for something beyond themselves. That That is equal across humanity. It doesn't matter how rich or how poor, uh, you know, their social status. None of that matters. Every single place that you go, the foundation of humanity is exactly the same. Uh, you know, there are things that I've tried to understand uh, there uh, four years, I, get, I think when you first start going there, you try to understand why they do certain things that they do, or why they do it the way that they do certain things. And uh, eventually, I've come to realize that it's it's not a whole lot different in America. So here, Here's one example. When I first started going there, I remember going into some of these houses, and they might have, some of them might have dirt floors, or some of them might have concrete floors. But you know, it's all broken up, and the walls are just made of tin and kind of pieced together out of whatever they have, but you'll walk in their house, and they have a wireless internet router. You know, they, they don't have, uh, a lot of times they don't have money for food, but they have a wireless internet router. You know, or they'd be walking around with uh, the newest iPhone or something like that, and, and they're living in this, this shack, and... uh You know, or my sister. You know, she lived there for a couple years, and uh, she was telling us. You know, they they take so much. uh, They put so much thought into their appearance, the clothes that they wear. If they can, they put so much thought into that. So they'll buy whatever clothes they can, but they don't have food on the table, and uh, they're doing that to try to put on the appearance that they have things. You know, they have uh, have money. They might have an iPhone, but they don't have minutes to actually make it work. Uh, and in the beginning, you know, I thought how how foolish that is, how irresponsible that is, and it is. But you understand, we're not really that different in America. We buy a lot of things we can't afford. The difference is we have credit; we can run up a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars of debt. These people can't. That's the only difference. Uh, you know, the point in that is that the heart of man is seeking something. To fill itself, it's, we, we think we need status or we think we need this or that. Again, you, you can't turn on the radio or your TV or, or anything like that without somebody telling you that you need something in order to make your life better. Everywhere you go, somebody's trying to get you to buy something. Uh, or, you know, the fact that uh, everywhere you go, you see garbage laying everywhere. I mean, it's all over. In the streets, it's it's through their villages. I mean, they're walking out of their houses. Sometimes there's just garbage thrown all over the ground. And, uh, uh, you know, again, I was thinking about that. And, uh, I mean, it's really not a whole lot different in America. It's just that our attics and our basements are full of garbage. Uh, it's Our garbage is just a little more organized than their garbage. But in all of it, again, the point is that we have a way of masking things uh, that are contained within our hearts. For a lot of people, it's, it's buying certain things. When you buy things, uh, it masks things in your heart. When we have comforts, it masks things in your heart. You see, the Bible says, again, as we looked at in Luke chapter 6, it says that uh, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So the point is that... When you get into a moment, why we try to mask ourselves is because when you get into a moment where you are not comfortable, that's when you start to see what is truly contained in your heart. You see it even in when, when somebody says something offensive to you, right? That starts to push you. It makes you feel uncomfortable. And then we just start responding. We just start saying things. Whatever comes to us just starts coming out. That is coming from the overflow of our hearts. What our hearts are full of comes out when we are pushed out of our comfort zones. Or you see situations where people experience fear and they just start saying things. They just start talking. They just start reacting to situations. Uh, That's because they're speaking forth what is contained within their hearts. Uh, Or thinking about uh, the benefits of some spiritual disciplines. We've talked on Wednesday night's Uh, from time to time about the spiritual disciplines and thinking about the discipline of fasting. The Bible calls us to be people who would, uh, uh, you know, spend time fasting before the Lord. And one of the benefits, one of the benefits of fasting is that it takes away the mask of comfort and it shows you what is in your heart. You see, because I can I can just easily go on through my day and be fine when I have the comforts, the normal comforts that I have every day, but when I take away that mask of food, me personally, my wife will tell you, I'm not the nicest person in that, in those moments. I'm not as easy to be around as I am when I have my stomach full, right? So it becomes a mask uh, of, of the things that are truly contained in our hearts, but when I remove that mask... In those moments where I'm experiencing the pain, when my stomach is telling me I'm hungry, that is when things start coming out of me, showing you what is actually contained in my heart. So the point, one of the, the benefits of fasting, there are many benefits, but one of them is that it shows me, and God shows us in that moment, what is truly contained in my heart, so that I, it's not masked by comforts. And in that moment, the person who is truly trying to grow spiritually and understand themselves spiritually... And where they're at and how they need to grow, we step into those moments where we're out of our comfort zone because I want to know what is contained in my heart, because I want to be like God. And when I want to be like God, I want to know what is it within me that needs changed. You see, there are a lot of times we don't want to know what's going on in our hearts. We don't know what, we don't want to know what is truly contained in our hearts. Uh, So, again, what I have come to understand in all of this, everywhere that I've been, All the times that I've been down there, humanity is the same in its foundation everywhere you go. We are all the same in that we were created in the image of God. That image, our identity was stolen, was broken by the enemy, and we are all looking... For that image to be restored, the problem is most people don 't know what is supposed to be restored or redeemed to, as we 've talked about before when when we receive salvation or we are redeemed by God, we are not just redeemed from something, but we are being redeemed to something. so when we talk about salvation or or you know people being the same everywhere they go, the point is that they are in this state of brokenness within their soul the the image of God, their their foundation, their identity has been stolen. They need to be redeemed from what they have done, but they need to be redeemed to what God has created them to be. The problem is a lot of people don't know that. And in their attempt to try to fill that brokenness, in their attempt to try to gain some sort of understanding of their identity, they just begin to do things. Whatever it is, whatever comes to them, they just do it hoping that it will gain something. I, we heard on this, this morning on the way here, we were listening to uh, Ravi Zacharias talk, and he was talking about uh, the pleasures of life. And he was saying that legitimate pleasures of this life, you pay for them before. But the illegitimate, illegitimate pleasures of life, you pay for them after. Meaning there, there are a lot of things that people do. They just do things, but it's like they are running up a debt that eventually is going to come calling. They're running up a a debt within their souls. They are, uh, uh, all of the things that they are doing are not actually fulfilling them. It's just building a greater and greater mask that eventually comes crumbling and falls apart. And then they realize, I just created this, this huge hole in my heart. Deeper and deeper, I have built this hole. And now how do I get out of it? You see, because people can do things in a moment that seem to make them happy or bring them joy in a moment. It can be something that brings them pleasure in a moment, but eventually you're going to have to pay for it. But he was, What he was saying is legitimate pleasures of life, we pay for them in advance. We know what we're getting into. Uh, so people are the same everywhere they go in that they are searching for something to fill themselves. Uh, So, what I want to look at today is simply the idea that ultimately uh, that ultimately I am responsible for my own heart that that all of these things that happen around us man searching for his identity and his purpose and fulfillment that I am responsible for my own heart I am responsible for uh, understanding the correct avenue to gain that self-fulfillment, to gain that self-identity again, to be created again in the image of God, to be redeemed from sin, but be redeemed to that image of God. I am responsible for that myself. I am responsible for joy. I am responsible to... Uh, uh, pursue an understanding of what is contained in my heart, and then to do something about it when those evil things are revealed. I am responsible for that. Now, I understand there are things within the Bible where uh, there are other people that have some sort of spiritual responsibility with us individually. Just for instance, the Bible says that, that in my position as a pastor, there's going to be a day where I'm going to stand before God, and I'm going to have to give an account for what has happened here with you all. Every one of you... I'm going to have to stand before God and give him him an account for that. The Bible goes on and talks about let not many of you become teachers because you would be judged more strictly. It's not that there's a different set set of rules, but they have been placed in a position of responsibility over the body of Christ. They are responsible for what they are saying to you and I. But you see, those leaders who have to give an account to God for what they are laying before you, their responsibility is to lay the truth before you. It's your responsibility then to do something with it. You see, once I have laid this stuff before you, once a teacher lays the truth before you, that's it. There's nothing else I can do. There's nothing else a teacher can do. It is then that individual's responsibility to recognize that truth and to store that up within themselves. And we'll talk about that a little more as we go here. Uh, so what comes out of us is an indication of our... When we read again, Luke chapter 6, verse 43. I'm sorry, 40, starting at 44. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So, what comes out of us, what comes out of our mouth, is out of the overflow of our heart, and that reveals what is truly within us. Uh, I skipped way ahead of myself. What comes out of us uh, reveals the true nature of our heart. And... I've thought about this a lot in terms of uh uh things I've seen in Dominican, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, but the Bible speaks then uh of the image of God being stolen from mankind, my brokenness, my uh losing my identity. but if you read the scriptures over and over, the Bible uses these imagery, the imagery of uh creation and nature to show. Uh, what the human heart looks like and what God wants to do in the human heart. We see things over and over about, uh, well, even in our passage here in verse uh, 44, it says, people do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. they using the imagery that it can, it's possible that the human heart can be just this place that is a barren wasteland full of thorn bushes and briars. The people are walking around every day and their heart is just this wasteland. There's nothing there. There's no life whatsoever in the heart of humanity. But You see, then on the other side of that, we see what God intends to create in mankind. We see uh, in Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And then we see in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside waters, quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. And then we see things like in the Old Testament, the the prophets uh, would speak these uh, visions of what God wanted to do in the heart of man, and Ezekiel said this uh, vision he was given from God in ezekiel chapter forty seven He was given this vision of uh, the stream that was flowing from the throne of God, the temple of God. there was a stream coming from this temple, and the angel took him farther and farther as to along this stream and it says that as he went, uh, the water was ankle-deep, and then he went a little farther, was knee-deep, and then he went a little farther, and the water was waist-deep, and a little farther, and now the water was to the point where he could not cross because it was so deep. And it says in verse 8, chapter 47 of Ezekiel, starting in verse 8, it says, he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into... uh, and goes down into the Araba where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. And then verse 12, uh, fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both the banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. So we see in all of these different passages, trees planted by streams of water, their leaves do not wither. We see green pastures and quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Uh, We see this stream then of uh, coming from the temple of God, flowing to this sea, the Dead Sea, where there is nothing. There is no life whatsoever. Nothing can live there. I think the salt content in the Dead Sea is something like 33%. There's nothing that can live there. Yet we see this stream flowing from the temple of God, the place where God dwelt in that moment, that sim- symbol of God's presence on earth. We see a stream coming from that, and everywhere it goes, it says, uh, uh, swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. So this, this stream coming from the temple of God, going to this place that symbolized death, in the moment that it touched that dead sea, that swarms of life would be there, that the trees would grow all around that. The point is that God wants to take this barren wasteland of the, the human heart and create this beautiful landscape within us. It's what God intends to do within us. Now, the first thing is we have to understand that our heart is empty. I know I say this over and over, but Oswald Chambers said that the greatest spiritual blessing is the knowledge that we are destitute. Because you understand that some people will go their whole lives fighting this battle to try to make themselves believe that they have something. They'll spend their whole lives trying to avoid understanding the truth of God's Word because they could never possibly admit that there is nothing within their hearts, that they have nothing, uh, they have no life, they have no hope, they have no, uh, there's nothing that would uh, be able to fulfill them or lead them to the place... uh, of living as they were created to live. There is nothing there, that we are totally destitute. But you understand, when we come to that point of finally admitting and accepting that I have nothing, then God comes in with his streams of living water and builds me up. He gives me life that I never could have had on my own. You see, God's light shines in our hearts and helps us to understand that there's nothing within us but death. But the moment that He does that, He comes along with His mercy and offers us life that we could have never gained on our own. You see, the revelation that we are destitute is God's extension of His mercy. When I finally come to that place of understanding that I have nothing, in that moment, I have received the mercy of God in His Uh, examination of my heart and revealing my true nature, in that moment, then I am able to step into the freedom that God has for me, the life that God has for me. I could never have stepped into that had I gone through life believing that I had something that I didn't, believing that life existed in my heart when it wasn't there, spending my whole life trying to convince myself that life existed there. You see, it only comes, the freedom of God only comes in the moment where I finally realize the nature of my heart, that I have nothing. And then, that though God reveals that destitution, he wants to take that barren wasteland and have the streams of water flowing from his temple to that wasteland and create this beautiful garden within my heart. That's what God's intentions are. Um, it is our responsibility then to make sure that we don't hinder that work. We also have to be active in that work. Again, Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, it says, Sow righteousness for yourselves, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your unplowed ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until He comes and showers His righteousness on you. See, sometimes we hinder the work of God by simply being passive. Sometimes we hinder what God wants to do in our hearts, what He wants to create in us, just simply by being passive. Now, we, Jamie and I know nothing about gardening at all. For some reason, we tried to start gardening. For some reason, we thought it would be a good idea. Uh, she said it was a good idea. But in that, uh, though we still know nothing about it, uh, you don't have to do anything for the weeds to grow back. You don't have to do anything. Just wait a couple. And they will be there again for you, somebody, me, to go out and rip them out again. and that that is how our spiritual lives operate that you don't all you have to do is is nothing if if your heart is going to end up again in the place where you have stored up evil things that will begin again to start coming out of you at some point just do nothing just just ignore god's word let it sit on your shelf at home just show up to church events, don't come with a heart of expectation or a heart that desires to know what God's speaking. Do those things and you can be sure that in a short period of time you will have, will have stored up evil things in your heart again. Because we don't have to do anything as humans to come to that place. I mean, think about it. We're immersed in these things everywhere that we go. I mean, everywhere you go, you have people that are out for their own agendas. You have people that are upset by anything and everything. You, uh, I mean, even thinking about uh, listening to the news, you have everybody in the world is complaining about everything everybody else is doing. You are immersed in those things on a daily basis. And whether you actively want to take it in or not, it is going to start affecting you if you are just simply passive in your spiritual walk. Because... The point is that when we see something contained in our heart that needs to be removed, we don't just take that out, but we need to fill that place in our heart with something else. The place where that existed in my heart, whether it's anger or uh, jealousy or whatever that is within my heart, the moment that I, God points that out and we remove that from my heart, I need to fill that with something else. You see, the Bible says that, uh, well, as simple as uh, you read through Psalm 119, over and over it talks about the Word of God and the value of the Word of God. And you read like Proverbs chapter 4. Uh, I really think that I think it's like the first eight chapters of Proverbs talks over and over about the wisdom of God in attaining the wisdom of God. The point is that we remove the things Uh, that need to be removed from our hearts, the evil things that are stored up within our hearts, and we fill them with something else. The Bible says that uh, uh, the psalmist wrote, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, what he is saying in that moment is that my heart becomes so full of the things of God, I don't have room for other things. I don't desire to pursue other things because I have been filled by this. The truth is now contained in my heart. It's the foundation of who I am. I am full of the life that comes from the Word of God that I have actively stored within my heart. Now think about that. I'm storing that up in my heart, not just not just enough for today. I don't want to just get through this day, but I want to store it up in my heart for whatever I'm going to face in the future. Whatever is coming my way in the future, whatever pain or suffering or difficulty or maybe it's as simple as a coworker has some questions about god and i want to be ready for those things so i'm storing up the truth of god in my heart when i do that i don't have room for anything else i don't desire anything else we have to be active in our pursuit of the things of god actively choosing to take it in as opposed to being passive in our spiritual walk you understand that there so the first thing is sometimes uh, we store up evil things just simply because we choose to be passive. Other times we actively choose to store up evil things within us. It's just a choice we make. Um, you know, I think sometimes uh, it's easy for people, it's easy for people to blame a lot of things on Satan that we choose ourselves. It's easy for for, for us to attribute something to to Satan when it was just simply my foolishness. Now I understand Satan tempts us, and, and I understand that. But sometimes there are a lot of things that we just simply know better, and we choose to put ourselves in situations, and then we wonder why why am I facing the consequences of all these things that have happened. You see, what it comes down to is a lot of times it's easy for us to blame someone else or something else for this decisions that I have made on my own. You see, a lot of times we can choose. We can choose to harbor anger or resentment of people. We can choose to hold that within our hearts. You see, there's a moment where that uh, comes out and we can see that something is contained in my heart, but I have a decision then. What am I going to do with it? You know, how serious, the Bible takes this when it's talking about our interactions with each other. It says that if you know that somebody has something against you, if you know somebody has something against you, you go deal with that and then come back to worship. If you go to the altar, you know that uh, you're going to worship God, you know that somebody has something against you, you go deal with that first, and then you come back. This is how serious the Bible takes God. takes. Uh, our interactions with others but you understand that so many times those things come up and we are confronted with situations where we know that they are not right or there's discord or something going on and we choose sometimes to just sit in that there are people in this world that they they for some reason feel comfortable in those places where there is discord or disunity, or where there's, there's some sort of problem going on, there's people where they can't handle it if there's not some sort of problem. That sounds crazy, but that's true. It happens. In those moments where we choose to perpetuate those sort of situations, discord or anger or jealousy or whatever it is, we are choosing then to store those things with, within our hearts. We are choosing to push those down Uh, Into the depths of who we are. And again, they will come out at some other point. The Bible says that uh, the psalmist wrote, I will set no vile thing before my eyes. We choose sometimes to take things in and store them within us because we set things before our eyes that make profane the sacred things of God. Now, I understand, I feel like I talk about this a lot. And a lot of people, I think, would think this is kind of an extreme thing. The The first thing is, we can't judge what is spiritually healthy for us to take in based on our own culture. Just because this isn't as bad as a lot of the things going on in the culture doesn't mean that it's healthy for me to take it in spiritually doesn't matter what the how bad the things are in the culture, it doesn't matter. Just because it's not that bad doesn't mean that I should be taking it in. Now, I I say this a lot because I think it is a huge, huge problem and terrifying for where the church is in America as far as our standards and we lo- what we allow ourselves to take in. We talk to our kids about... Uh, you know don't don't live with people before you're married don't have a sexual relationship with somebody before you're married but then they'll see us sit in front of a tv screen and be entertained by that that doesn't make sense we can't do those things now you we can we can sit back and try to justify it like that's just an extreme view I don't believe for one second when we're talking about the spiritual health of our children, when we're saying to them, here, don't do this thing because that ultimately we're saying that because this is a corruption of what God desires for you. And the things that God desires for you means greater for freedom and fulfillment in relationship with him. That's what we're aiming for when we say to our kids, don't do these things. But we're totally cutting that all off in the minds of our children when they see us sitting laughing at the very things we're saying, don't do this. I don't think for a second that's an extreme view. I think as believers we have to be so careful. Uh, Especially, I mean, we need to be careful that the people outside of the church see that we actually believe what we say. But that our kids see it. That our kids know that when we say these things, it's not just, well, God says don't have sex before marriage. Why? Because it's a corruption of the good thing that God has put in place for humanity. God has put something in place for humanity, not only to to continue on the, the... the you know procreation, the human race, but the, the, the connection, the emotional connection, the, the growth together in humanity, the, the God has set that in place as a good thing for humanity. That's why we say don't do that until you're married, because it's meant for you to do that in marriage. To, to experience the fullness of that only happens in marriage. Anything else is a corruption of that. That's why we tell them don't do that. But when we tell them that, then they can't see us being entertained by the things that make profane or corrupt that good thing we're telling them that God has placed before them. So when we tell kids, and it's not just that thing, it's not just TV, it's anything that we do. When we tell our kids or people outside the church, this is what we should do as Christians, number one, we need to be able to say why. It's not just don't have sex before marriage because God said. We have to be able to explain to people why. Why is this a sacred thing? And it's not just that issue. It's any issue. Don't do this. Because it's sacred. Because God has ordained this to be sacred. Because God has said when this happens, whatever the issue is, this is how humanity should do this in order to experience the fullness of what is laid before them. And when we... Say those things to people that this is what God has said this issue should be. Whatever the issue, when we say that, they have to see that my lifestyle reflects that I actually believe that. God has desired to create within us this beautiful landscape in our souls. And you see, the moment where we choose to step into those things and store them up within us, I I, I think I have said this before, but uh the the one village in the Dominican Republic, I was there a couple of years ago now when God kind of hit me with this with this, and I was standing in the back corner of this village by myself looking over the miles of sugarcane. And I looked behind me in the corner of the one person's, they have like these row houses. And the one person on the corner, they could walk out their door and look over these fields. And it was such an amazing scene. And I was thinking how beautiful that was to be able to step out and see that every day. But then you look down and there's garbage everywhere. So they have this beautiful landscape and yet there is garbage thrown all over the ground. And we think, oh, you're responsible. That is exactly what God is doing in you and I. He is creating this beauty within our souls. And the moment that I choose to be entertained by things that corrupt the sacredness of what God has put in place, the moment that I choose to perpetuate anger or discord or jealousy, I am throwing garbage all over everything that God is creating in me. You see, humanity is not that different. No matter where you go. They throw garbage all over the ground right in front of their their houses. And they're fine with it. But you see too many times we throw garbage all over everything that God is doing and we are totally fine with it. We just walk through it every day. Now, I say all this today in closing as the worship team comes up. I say all this today. I don't ever want any of these things to come across as just Hammering people for all the things that are terrible and all the things that we're doing that we shouldn't. The point of this is to point our eyes to what God wants to create in us. Because He wants to give us something greater than the things that we choose to be entertained by. He wants to give us greater life than that. He wants to give us greater life than to be in bondage to anger and discord and jealousy and all of those things our whole life. He wants to give us greater life than that. He wants to give us greater freedom than that. He wants to refresh us and renew us and take our minds, our understanding, our wisdom to greater heights than that. He wants to do in us, as his word says, immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. The reason we talk about these things is because we will never ever reach those heights if we choose to throw garbage all over what God is creating within us and just accept that. You see, as humans, to, to reach, to do anything, we have to make hard decisions. To do anything well, we have to make hard decisions. You need to be able to say, look, I know that a lot of people think that this isn't that big of a deal, but I don't care. I'm not going to do that, whatever it is, because I value more what God wants to do in my heart. I value more what God wants to create in me. More than anything else, I value that God is taking me from this place of destitution, from thorns and briars, and He is taking me to this place of being a, a tree by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaves do not wither the person who is on that stream of God that flows from his throne and wherever that goes in, in all of the death, uh, in the Dead Sea, the, the place where no life exists, that he would raise up these trees and, and uh, would be overflowing with life, that I would be somebody who would be planted in that place. And to be planted there, sometimes we've got to make difficult decisions to choose not to take in certain things. Now it is essential then that we make sure that on a daily basis we are pursuing an understanding through the Spirit of God as what is contained in my heart. And then when I understand that, I allow God access to change that within me. To Make sure I'm in the place where I am storing up His Word in my heart that I might not sin against Him. So the last thing. I'll say, I promise we, we say, the Bible says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Not just, not just because, uh, we have some angry God that we can't sin against. Now we can't sin against God. We shouldn't sin against him, but it's, it's against, we have to change the perspective that we look at things. Sometimes God doesn't want us to sin because he wants us to walk in the fullness of who he is. It's not like we just have this God who's sitting up uh, somewhere in the sky the hammer on everybody every time they mess up. That is not the case when God says, don't do this. He's saying, don't do this for your good. And not just for your good, but for the good of those around you. For the good of our relationship. For the good of our relationship with Him. That is why we don't do certain things that we shouldn't do. And we choose to store up the things of God within our hearts. Next time you get in a position that is uncomfortable for you and you just start speaking and things come out, it will reveal the things that are in your heart. And that is a blessed moment because you can choose in that moment then to lay that before God and allow him to be the one to cleanse your heart of those things, the evil things that have been stored up within us. God, we thank you today again for the opportunity to worship you to be together. Father, we pray that you would help us to be able to understand the nature of our hearts and the things that are contained within our hearts, things we have stored up within our hearts. Father, help us to to desire more than anything what you want to create in us, that you want to take us from that place of destitution to a place of being planted by the streams of water that come from your throne. Father, help us in every moment of every day to have that constantly before our eyes, to constantly have that vision before our eyes, that we would desire that fullness of life. that we know your word says is available to us. That would never just be promises that we read about in a book but never lay hold of, but we would see your word as living and active within us. And Father, we would lay hold of those things through the power of your Spirit. Help us to be disciplined people who would place ourselves uh, near to you. Help us not to be passive in our relationship with you. Father, we love you today. It is your name we pray. Amen. If you have a need this morning.